Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Detectives, where we bring to you tales from the greatest detective shows the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with 126 episodes made... Broadcast on NBC Radio from 1955 to 1958, we bring to you X-1. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents X minus one. Tonight, Caretaker by James A. Schmitz. Commander Lowndes? Yes, Mr. Harris. Astrogation reports, planetary orbit secure. What vector, Mr. Harris? Approximately 1,000 miles above subject planet 3785. Well, we'll have to give it a name soon, Harris. Yes, sir. Engineering secured, damage control parties working on the hull. Very well. Has Martyr touched down in the scout ship? Yes, sir. We have him on the tight beam. Give him to me on my screen. Yes, sir. Sparkman, put Martyr on the command screen. Exploration ship Titan calling ship 375. Come in. Scout 375 reporting. What's it like down there, Martyr? It's not much different from the scan report, sir. I'm at the head of a valley. It's green and it's scarlet. It's all swampy. And there's a big river threading through it. Harris, get me a pinpoint on Martyr's location. Aye, aye, sir. Uh, there are mountains beyond. I can see Holman's house from here. Looks like a Swiss chalet standing over the lake. Have you made contact? Yes, sir. Boyce is over there now. How is he? Well, it's hard to say. Tell him we're recording the planet officially as Holman's planet. That might please him. No, I don't think so, sir. What? A boy suggested it during our first visit with Holman today. He wants us to record it instead as, um, well, I'll, I'll spell it. C-R-E-S-G-Y-T-H, Kresketh. What's that, local? Well, that's his phonetic interpretation of the name the people here use. Fair enough, if that's how he wants it. Anything to add on your present report? No, 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 sir. I'll call you back after we've met his woman. His wife? Yes. I'm glad it was you and boys who found Holman. You're reliable men, you in particular. Martyr, I don't need to emphasize that Holman's discovery of what appears to be the first genuine human race ever encountered outside of Earth is of primary importance. Yes, sir. Boys might be inclined to hurry through the uh, diplomatic overtures. You'll be careful about that part of it, Martyr. Yes, very careful, sir. On the two continents we've scanned before, we've found no traces of human inhabitants, present or past. Yes, I know, sir, but Holman's... It's possible Holman's acquaintances are the sole survivors of humanity here. If we frighten the tribe into hiding... 
There may never be another contact. Yes, I understand, sir. Fine. Now then, what about these other creatures? What did Holman have to say about them? Well, in the 20 years he's been marooned in this valley, he's had only three or four actual encounters with him, sir. Rather violent encounters on his side. Apparently they learned to avoid him after that. They're called Zares. Uh, he seems to have an almost psychopathic hatred for them. That's not very surprising. We pulled up a scout drag a little while ago, bagged a couple of specimens. The description checks with Holman's description of the Zares, the worm-like, slimy, blue body with a set of arms, legs, and head. Out of the water, they seem to wear some kind of clothes, presumably to conserve body moisture. Yes, that's what he said. All right now, Marta. I want you to continue according to the plan. And remember, be careful of Holman. He's been alone on this planet for 22 years. He deserves a lot from us. Yes, sir. But he hasn't been alone. He has his wife. Weiss? Weiss, where are you? Down here. I'm with Holman. Check in with the exploration ship? Yes, it's all right. Holman, they say they'll name the planet the way you want it. That's good. Celia will like that. Celia? My wife. I called her Celia from the start. She likes the name. I see. Where's she now? Oh, she's out somewhere. She's very timid. She'll show up sometime in the night, and I'm leaving the doors open for her. I'll talk to her a little first to reassure her, and you can meet her then. Meanwhile, would you like to see your picture? Why, have you got photographs? No, no, I painted it. I used to do a little bit before I went to the service. It's over here. I've done about 50 or so paintings over the years. I paint a lot of them over, you know. Uh, here, in here. I grind my own pigments and cut brushes from the swamp grass. I'd give my arm for a good camel's hair brush. Uh, here, here she is. Beautiful. Real good looking. Of course, it isn't an exact likeness. I tried to capture the spirit. I think I've got it pretty good. You know, there's something about that picture sort well, of... Never mind, boys. Boys doesn't know much about art. Yeah, but I know what I like. I like a good-looking woman. You're a lucky man, Holman. You wanted to see the deep water well. It's right through here. Actually, it's just an opening through the concrete to the river that runs below. It's as pure as anything you could wish. If they want to refresh the water tanks of the ship... Yes, all... I'll take it up with the captain. We'll be staying a week or more... We're to follow your judgment in every way in establishing contact with the Kreskithians. Good. We can't do anything till Celia comes in, and we'll have to be very tactful then. But I'm sure it won't take a week. Well, what makes them so shy of us? Oh, it's not you, it's me. Or it's an impression I gave them of the Earth kind of human beings. Come on upstairs, and I'll tell you. <laughs> Cigar? It's a local swamp grass. Is it safe? Oh, I've been smoking them for years. Uh, you were telling us about the native humans. Well, I've never asked Celia much about her people. There's some kind of very strong taboo that keeps her from talking about them. How'd you meet her? Well, our ship crashed into the valley originally. I was the only man left and the original crew of four. Manning went insane two days before we made a planet fall and killed Nichols and Dawson. And so I killed Manning before he could wreck the ship completely. Have you got a light, Marta? Thanks, I'm all right. You see, it was unavoidable, but they never understood it, those people of Celia's. Well, how did they find out? I was unconscious for about a month, 
and completely blind for six months afterward. Blind? Well, they got me out of the wreck and nursed me back to life. But as soon as I was out of danger, only Celia would stay with me. She and I were alone for weeks before I regained my sight. Uh, How did they know I killed the others? Well, they're sensitive in a number of ways. And there were those bodies in the ship. They, well, they withdrew from me as soon as I no longer needed their help. Then in all this time, you were never able to gain their confidence? It's not a question of confidence. It's a question of, well, I'm trying to tell you. I didn't mind being alone with Celia. You'll understand that when you see her. The others stayed in a small lake village they had a couple of miles up the valley across the swamps. Celia went up there every few days, but she never brought anyone back with her. I suspected it was simply because I was an alien. I thought they'd get over that in time. Celia seemed happy enough, so it wasn't a very acute problem. Well, could you observe them? Well, one day, when she'd slipped away again, I remembered a pair of field glasses I'd taken off the ship, and I got them and trained them on the village. That was a very curious experience. I never found a complete explanation for it. Well, what happened? Well, just for one instant, I had everything in the clearest possible focus. There were children playing on the platforms above the water, a few adults standing in the doorways of a house, and suddenly everything went blurred. Was something wrong with the glasses? No, no. They didn't want me to look at them. They just blurred my vision. What do you mean? What you mean... You mean telepathically? Well, I don't know. The glasses had a four-mile range, and they were functioning perfectly. But the instant I turned them on the village, the field blurred. Well, I never felt so snubbed before. Yeah, I guess that's quite a hint. Well, I admit it annoyed me. The next day, I announced to Celia that I was going over to the village. Well, she made no objection, but she followed me in the distance... Probably to make sure I didn't drown on the way it's wet going around here. At last, I came over a rise and found myself a hundred yards from the village on the land side. And then I realized they'd left it. I walked around it a while and found cooking fires still glowing. But nobody had waited to receive me. So I went home insulted and very sulky. I wouldn't even talk to Celia until the next morning. Did you see anybody there? Nobody. Well, I settled down and built a house for the two of us, and that took up all my time for several months. I couldn't ignore them. There was something so curiously happy and peaceful about them, even though they gave me the cold shoulder. From the one look I had of them, it showed me that they were the most beautiful people I'd ever seen. Well, you've seen the picture. It doesn't do her justice. Boy, she must be something. One day, when Celia was gone, I made another trip to the village, and the same thing happened. Well, did you make any attempt to explore further? Oh, yes. I got the little lifeboat flyer repaired enough to get it off the ground and set it down again. I had enough fuel for one 24-hour trip. I flew down the valley for almost 50 miles before I came across the first colony of the other ones, the Zares. Is that what the people here call them? No, Zare, that's the word for snake. I named them that. Did they live in caves? No, that's what fooled me. It was a village of houses just like the one here. I sat down on the lake and I saw them. They just stood there, very quietly watching me through the doors and windows. What made it worse somehow was that they... They wore clothes, but the clothes didn't cover enough. 
those weaving, soft, blue, slimy bodies and those staring eyes. I backed down the ladder with my gun ready in case they rushed me, but they never moved. Did, did you find any more of them? There were about eight more colonies of Zares further down the valley, but there was no trace of another tribe of humans. At the time, I didn't know just what to make of it. There was a possibility that my village represented an advanced troop of human beings into the land of snakes. But it turned out to be the other way around. It seemed to be the snakes that were pushing out the humans. So I swore to myself that as long as I lived, at least, human beings were going to hold this section of the valley undisturbed in its safety. When I came back, I said to Celia, Celia, I must speak to your people. Go tell them I'll come again tomorrow and they mustn't run away. Well, she looked at me and then she went in the direction of the village. Did they wait for you? Well, she came back late at night, crept into my arms and told me they promised to wait for me. Oh, I set out the next morning full of great plans. After all, the Zare snakes lived in widely scattered settlements. The villagers and I could wipe out those settlements one by one until we'd cleared the land. But then I didn't realize how different Celia's people were from us. How? Oh, what happened? Well, I came over that rise, and there the village was. This time I knew they'd stayed home. And then, not 20 feet off my path, I saw two of the Zares standing in the bushes, one watching me and the other looking at the village. They were the first ones I'd seen that close, and they were horrible. They, they had a rapacious, greedy look. They seemed oily and unclean. Each had a kind of tricky crossbow over his shoulder, and they couldn't be seen from the village. Oh, uh, would you like something to drink? There were, uh, there's some kind of fermented homebrew I made. No, no. What, what happened? Well, I shot them both down before they got over the surprise. It was a natural thing to do, wasn't it? Sure, sure, I guess so. But apparently, from the point of view of the villagers, it wasn't. The village was empty again. When I got back home, I was actually sick with disappointment. And then I discovered Celia was gone. She stayed away three days. And when she came back, I never went back to the village. But I, I, I don't see why... Neither did I until it was too late. Uh, they won't kill their enemies. They're too polite for that. So their enemies are gradually squeezing them out of existence. Captain, what do you expect us to do in this situation? Kill the Zares, as many as we can find. If the human beings of this world won't defend themselves, we'll have to defend them. I can't be on guard here forever. It's up to you and the other men on the ship to do the job right. You will, won't you? You'll make a report to Commander Lowndes? We'll, we'll make our report. Oh, that's fine. Well, uh, gentlemen, I suppose it's late now. I suppose you'll want to turn in. Uh, when will your uh, wife get back? Well, she'll be back later. Don't worry about her. <laughs> Why, what do you want? Listen. What? Somebody moving in the house. Listen. Holman? No, no, no. Listen to those steps. Now, hear, hear him? That's no man. Slow, dragon. Yeah, come on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sidearms. All right, yeah, come on. Quiet, it's coming from downstairs. Stop. Listen. 
Wait till I get the safety catch off. Look. No firing unless I tell you. Look, Marner, I'll take care of myself. Maybe it's one of those airs. I'd like to get a shot at them. Come on. Downstairs, all right. There's a light. What? What's that? A missile gun. Holman had a number of obsolete weapons down there. Hurry up. Look out. There goes the light. I've got my torch. It came from the well room. Oh, it's the door. Stand back. Turn your light in there. Uh, It's Holman. They've got Holman. There, there it goes. Stand clear. I'll blast it. Wait, wait a minute. Get out of the way. It's one of those airs. Give me a clear shot. Hold it. Can't get out of here while we've got the well covered. Now keep your blaster ready while I look at Holman. I hear it moving back there in the shadows. He's dead. Come on, make a break for it, you rotten, slimy snake. Come on. Shot through the head with his own gun. Who's that, Sarah? That snake? Did you get a good look at it? No, no, it jumped for the shadows. There, there it is. Marta, swing your torch around. I'll roast it with one blast. Listen, what? listen. What? Who's that? You who are his friends, will you listen to me? Who are you? He called me his wife. What? How'd she get in here? If that Zare gets a hold of her... Why? Don't move. I won't. Why did you kill him? But I thought you understood. What do you mean she killed him? It was that Zare, the snake. There are medical men who'd say he'd been insane for 20 years as he counted time. They would have forced him back into sanity. I could not bear the thought he should suffer that. Suffer what? Are you all fools? He was a fool, though I loved him. He could not see beyond the shape of things. So here among us, he saw shapes he could bear to see. And those moments when sanity came to him and he saw what was really there, then he killed. Are you all like that? What's she talking about? Is the snake there with her? Go upstairs, boys. Wait for me outside. You're going to kill that snake? Yes, I'll kill the snake. All right, take my blast. Now, be careful. Get between the eyes, Marta. Roast that zare to a crisp. Go on outside. Are you still there? Yes. Is there any way you can get out? I can leave by the river that flows under the well if you do not shoot at me. I won't shoot at you. May I take his body? Yes. And you will all leave with your ship? I loved him. Although my people thought it strange, almost beyond their tolerance, they are foolish too, yet not as foolish as you are. They saw what was in his mind, and not beyond that, and so they were afraid of him. But he is dead now, and there is nothing that your people and mine could share. We are too different. Will you leave? We'll leave. What did you see that was beyond his mind? A brave spirit, though very frightened. He ventured far, far, far into the dark of which he was afraid. I loved him for that. I am coming now. I think you had better look away. Yes, sir. I've just been down to sick bay. Boyce is all right. He's in shock. Well, I gave him a shot of sedative on my way up here. Oh, the medics say he'll be all right. They're giving him a reconstructive psychotherapy fix. You won't remember much of it. If you had looked squarely at that thing, we might have had to give you the same treatment. Our pickled specimens of the Zare are pretty hideous. I suppose it's all the way you look at it. Yes, I suppose so. Holman had his own way of looking at it. Selective, hysterical blindness maintained for 22 years, with his own type of artistic hallucinations thrown in. 
I can't help wishing it hadn't happened, Holman. He didn't maintain it throughout. When he was hallucinating, he saw them as beautiful. He saw her as beautiful. But when he saw them clearly, the way they really were, he killed them. Who wouldn't? I almost feel like getting out of space and staying out for good. Well, it's time to file a report and wrap up. What are you reporting? That Holman died here quite peacefully about a year before we found him, leaving a diary of inspiring courage and devotion to space exploration behind him. We'll have time enough to work up the diary. That should keep everybody happy. All secure, sir. Shall I close down the ports? Uh, just a minute. Martyr, look down there. The whole galaxy. Do you think there actually are people out there somewhere? I hope so. Do you think we'll ever find them? I don't know. They've never found us. You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features Survival Type by J.F. Bone. Score one or one million was not enough for the human race. It had to be all or nothing, with one man doing all the scoring. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, X-1 has brought you Caretaker, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by James A. Schmitz, and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Ted Osborne, Bill Lipton, Mason Adams, Raymond Edward Johnson, and Betty Kane. This is Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. Polio is not over yet. A total of $46,900,000 is needed to continue the fight against this crippling disease. Thousands of polio victims are depending on you. Help finish the polio fight. Join the 1957 March of Dimes. The World on a New Hotline. Listen for news on the hour and the exciting hotline service all day, every day on most of these stations. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible.